Don't let those other guys make your family share data. Switch to T-Mobile now and get four lines with up to six gigs each of 4G LTE data. Just 30 bucks a line and no sharing. So ditch your data worries and switch to the uncarrier today. Get to T-Mobile or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. Limited time offers plus taxes and fees. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details. Are you ready? Welcome to Over a Cigar, the Internet's original cigar lounge. All right, welcome to tonight's show. Uh, tonight we're going to be having a, a caller call in soon. His name is Glenn Loop. He is the executive director of Cigar Rights of America. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about what's going on with all the uh, bullshit legislation against cigars and uh, the politicians we need to drag out and shoot. Uh, not actually, just I shouldn't say that. Off but to a running start, oh Archie. Already going. I love. Is that the Secret Service knocking on the door right now? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So I just point oh, to point of the Chinese guy. Um, yeah, but uh, so tonight, we right now we have Coach. And we have a special guest, Drew, is sitting in with us. Drew's a, a longtime friend, and uh, he, he called into the show a few weeks ago from Casa Fuente out in Vegas, and oh. uh, he brought us a gift we're going to be smoking a little bit later, some uh, Casa Fuente cigars, which, if you don't know, you can only get out in Vegas at the Casa Fuente shop. Uh, I've been there twice, and I can't tell you enough. If you go to Vegas, screw the casinos, go to Casa Fuente, <laughs> you know. It's just, that is a must. And oh, uh, guys, and to get weight on from the exquisite Danielle is worth every penny of well, it. Well, they get a bunch of good-looking women out there. Oh, yes, just, they do. Yeah, they do it right out there. It's a, it's a nice shop. You know, I can't afford anything else in that mall, but, you know, I'll spend it all on the damn mojitos and the cigars there and just chill, man. The people, again, typical cigar lounge people, man, they're all great. I know, suggest and, you go to the cigar part, leave your wife at home. If your wife is with you, go to the cigar shop because you don't want to see the damage she'll be causing. Now, you drop her off at the dollar store, and then you head to that mall. <laughs> Good luck. So, you know that uh, that that mall is pricey is an understatement. Well, it's all this. You, you got Cartier, you no, got you got, Mark Blanc, yeah. you got all the high end stores in that place. It's it's a place to see. Yeah. But uh, only place I've ever seen escalators that go around curves. <laughs> It's badass, man. They just they, it's like how the hell they do that? That's it's so, but it's Vegas. They're gonna go over the top of everything. So. And even the restaurants in that place are all top in. I mean, you got the Palm, you got uh, some of the finest uh, eateries in the world right there in that mall. Yeah. So it's incredible. Yeah, like I said, I've only ever now when I was there two years ago, they were, well, the first time I went three years ago with Graham and I were there for the uh, for IPCPR, it was. That section of the mall was really tricky to get to. You had to go, like, go up to the second or third floor, walk over to certain anything, and go down. But when we were there two years ago, they were actually renovating, so you could actually walk right to it. Hmm. So, Yes, yeah, so you can walk right through it, right to the casino, yeah. right on that first floor right now. And yeah. it's, it's a nice place, guys. When you're in Vegas, it's a must-stop that you must go there. Yep. And okay. uh, like we were talking about before the show, try the mojitos, just... Pace yourself before you go out in the heat, man. <laughs> you know, you go from a uh, nice air condition, drinking those incredible mojitos. You hit that 115 degree weather. It's like, <laughs> I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was smart enough to go there in December, so that saved me there a bunch there. So, so it was 98. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, guys at Vegas. Damn, where's my coat? It's 98. <laughs> yeah, when Graham and I were there three years ago, that was when they were having a real hot spell. It was it was cool when we were there. It was only 118. <laughs> yes. But, That's the cool part. Yeah. When when you're burning your feet through your shoes, man, you know it's hot. That They said the asphalt that when we were there was like over 170 degrees. Mm-hmm. And you could fry a freaking egg, man. It was like, and yeah, well, there's a whole it's story a behind that thing, but... too. Graham... Graham's like, oh, man, we'll walk back to the hotel. We were staying at the LVH, which is like two miles away. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, around here we could do that. In Vegas, man, yeah, we didn't have any water with us. We had nothing. We, we're, yeah. we're dehydrated. We're, we're in like, the desert without yeah. water. Yeah. We're yeah. Go walk. Okay, <laughs> so it was our first time there. Give me a break, man. You're, it was the <laughs> desert, man. It I doesn't matter what kind of time or not. Well, I had my camel hump. I thought I was going to eat off of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, what kind of illusions were you seeing at the end yeah. of that walk? Exactly. Oh, dude, it was brutal. There's a lot more to the story I don't want to talk about on air, but I'll tell you later on. Yeah, no, we're not talking about the rest yeah. of the story. I think you heard it before. Yeah, yeah exactly. It wasn't pleasant. Uh-uh. It wasn't pleasant, but uh, you know, so we got back to our room, and we both just collapsed on the bed. We're drinking water, and of course, in the hotel, they don't have like free water for you. Oh, you have to pay five you know, bucks. $75 <laughs> for a, a 16.9-ounce water. It's like, really? No water fountains or anything? No, like, hell no. It's not in the room. Yeah. You didn't even have like a little... Uh, no. In our, in, in our hotel, the uh, hot water didn't work either in our what? room. Yeah. Where were you staying, man? The old... Uh, it used to be called Las Vegas Hilton. Now it's called the uh, LVH, the Las Vegas Hotel. This is the place. This was Elvis. This is where Elvis performed and shit. When it was the Las Vegas Hotel. Yeah, but yeah, the people who bought the place are so cheap. They said, "Well, we'll just name it Las Vegas Hotel. That way, we don't have to change any of the monograms. We can keep the same towels." But anyway, so, but uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, sometime hopefully in the next uh, five to ten minutes, we will uh, hear from. Uh, hey. hey. Uh, now Graham walked in, so Graham. How's it going, Chief? So, so we'll wait till Graham here suits up with his microphone and headphones. Did you just say he shoots up or suits up? Suits up. Gotcha. Man, you're just in a mood today, aren't you? Boy, listen, man, I had Damn. to deal with uh, three-year-olds that just turned three all day today. So I guess they were two-year-olds that just turned three. Yeah, well, they They weren't three-year-olds that turned three. Yeah, they were two-year-olds that just turned three today. That's what women do when they get older. It's like, well, I'm really 38, but I just turned 24. 24. (laughs) Yeah. My daughter woke up at, like, I don't even know what time she woke up. She woke up before I did in a fantastic mood, bouncing around the house. Hang on, hang on. Look at this. He's lighting up a Don Papine blue label. Look at this son of a bitch. I know, right? Mm -hmm. He thinks he's the man. Turn your mic on. And you think you have problems when they're uh, two and three at the terrible twos. Wait till they're 16. They start asking for the car and wait till the first boyfriend asks her out. Yeah, Did, you don't you even have <laughs> kids. What do you know? Oh, I have one niece. That was enough. <laughs> we, got, we, we got that covered, man. First yeah. of all, the twins. So God bless the boy who asked out my daughter because he's going to have to get past my son. And that'll be interesting enough. And uh car... Yeah, you don't drive until you can pay for your own car insurance. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's called parenting, people. Yeah. God, what a concept. Thank yeah. My wife and I, we seriously, we talked about these things like uh, a few years before we had kids. And I was like, yeah, like all these your parents talk about uh, kids with cell phones and they can't keep, you know, control the kids. I'm like, yeah, your kid doesn't get a cell phone unless they can pay for the cell phone bill. Yep. Yep. So... That's my daughter's. I, yeah. <laughs> like, she, she went a cell phone. I said, here's your plan. Exactly. And I Pay said, here's it. your bill. And she yeah. goes, well, I want an iPhone. I said, 
go buy one. Exactly. You know, it's your bill. What a concept. Okay, so, <laughs> Mr. Graham, how are you, sir? I'm a lot better now that I'm here. There you Thanks go. There you gentlemen. go. Did you, how new, goes did you get a haircut, bro? I did. Uh, like a week ago. I don't know. It's hard for me to retain the hair at this point. When's the last yeah. time I saw you? I'm growing, yeah, about a week I'm growing through mine, too. So. Are you? <laughs> mine I'm, has I'm this, to hang on to it, man. I'm not suffering in that department. Man, mine has this grayish <laughs> color going on the sides now. God, God. Oh, tell me about it, man. I got the Polly Walnuts going down here with all the gray <laughs> hair. It's ridiculous. Well, who is the, uh, the, uh, the dude from uh, Spider-Man? The, the Oh, uh, Jameson? Yeah, Jameson. Jay, mm-hmm. Jay, yeah. Joe, Joe yeah. Jameson. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he had that you know, yeah. silver on the yeah, side. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just black need that up. crazy mustache he had. In his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got the angry down. Parker! Parker! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Where the hell are you now? <laughs> Where are my pictures? So, Don Papine Blue Label. This is, you bought this for me. That's why I brought oh, yeah, it over. Okay. Oh, you gave okay. it came Last out time we were all together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God, now it's going to give you a Casa Plante. What? You got for you. Yeah, see, yeah. We're, what? See, we're smoking... T- yeah, we're be oh, I think you guys should have stopped me. I, so well, I'm telling you people that are listening. Maybe I'll smoke both. Here's Graham, one for later, buddy. Thank you very much. That's Graham very is nice. debating whether or not to stamp out a blue label. I tell you, man. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the just, blue label is. Just think about that. It's people. so, it's so terrific. That's the and kind I'll of cast you, that Graham I am in. not a Fuente fan, with the exception of this cigar right here. Wow. This they do. Like nobody's business. That is true. Everybody should have mm. a Casa Fuente cigar at some point. And now, so. here's the thing that I do about Fuente. I happen to get a box of the Don Carlo 80th anniversary. And, guys, that cigar is exquisite. Really? It's a must. Now, really? what's that cost? Oh, it's up there. Let's put it this way. The box has a set of white gloves in it for you to open the box and grab one. So it's prosy, but it's worth it. Gentlemen, no, we're like $2.50 a stick or something? Yeah, put it zero. No. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, move the decimal point a little bit. Exactly. And not to the left. <laughs> <laughs> right. See? But no, that one. And also, hey, I, I like the Onejo when they come out in December. Yeah. Uh, and I like to let them sit for a year and let them mature a little bit. And then they're really fantastic. So I, I buy it every year and... Open the box from the year prior. Yeah, there's one I've never had before. I know everybody that that's a that's a Fuente that I every time it comes up I go God I really love to try that on Yeo. Well, I had oh, one. They're there. hard to get. I had one when we got together last. Oh, year. did you really? Oh, yeah, you remember? did. That's yeah, what we were talking about. And I, but I only remember for that thirty seconds ago. <laughs> hey, I'm smoking it on Yeo, and I'm like, yeah, I should try one of those. And gentlemen, that's how the shark good. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> right, let me. So that has an interesting. That's what Sam Lucia gave me. Remember. Sam gave me yeah. one. Uh, Bel- Sam Belisico? gave me one that was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow, uh, I mean, it was what the solo on the one Sam Lucia gave me was all brown. It had been oils are just Ooh. saturated. Yeah. And wow. I'm not an Añejo fan. I gave it to somebody I know who was. Mm-hmm. So, and I told him the story. I said, "Yeah, this was given to me by Sam Lucia to smoke. So smoke it." I said, "I'm just. I know the guy. You know, uh, Captain uh, Bob. Bob. Okay. He's a big Añejo fan. And I told him. I said." You'll enjoy this more than I will, because Añejos mean more to you. So here's an Añejo shark that's over 15 years old. Uh, wow. Boy, that's that, pretty damn yeah, nice. You mm-hmm. thought, yeah, you would have thought I gave him you know, the winning lottery ticket from mm-hmm. yesterday's lottery. Well, so obviously almost. none of us were one of the three. No, winners. not. Damn, well, it's so close. I think I got 12 bucks. And that was it. Did you? <laughs> yeah, but we had 70 tickets. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got minus 10. Yeah. I bought $10 worth, and I have nothing now. Got nothing. Yeah. I had one, yeah. one number out of five tickets. I uh, broke even. 
Well, we you broke did, even. I didn't buy anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we did a four, you're a winner. <laughs> we did a fourteen-person pool, so we got less than a dollar a piece. Oh. Wow. Damn it. Well, now how are you going to claim that on your taxes? Actually, you they're going to take a big chunk before because think about it. Say one point six million. That is. Wait, huge. wait, no. He's talking about you. Me? Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here like, why it, is it's he called a loss? <laughs> I'm like, why is he answering this question? <laughs> well, actually, one thing, Drew is a uh, financial advisor. So after we get done with uh, Mr. Loop on the uh, when he calls in, uh, the second part of the show, we're going to be talking to uh, Drew about investments and the economy and stuff that that I have no clue about. That either do uh, I? Well, maybe we'll both leave here with a little more knowledge of some sort with uh, what Drew has to say, as well as uh, smoke these great cigars. So, so but, good. Uh, so i got to burn through this uh, bestseller here. Yeah. So I just realized on a show, I usually take all two hours to smoke a cigar. So I figured, well, I could fire this up now. So I, I started smoking the, uh, the Casa Fuente. So it's, uh, it's good. <laughs> it's a must. But anyway, so, uh, so Graham, uh, you know, things uh, still fun at work? Oh, Fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> what a, Look that word up in the dictionary. Fuck's sake! It is in there. What? I I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. And I'm, the the people that would even tolerate uh, listening to this, I will spare <laughs> them all of the stupidity that comes along with how I spend my day. Well, I just, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people in this economy actually have. Bad days at work. They're just, you know. So I was just trying to generalize. Didn't want specific. Yeah, so. it. it uh, we had uh, some layoffs at, at work to right size. Uh, we had um, some venture capital money into the organization, and they purposely, knowingly, overhired to drive the revenue number up. They knew mm-hmm. that it wasn't proportionate to what a, a bit how a business should operate Look but they the knew they were going to understand what you're saying yeah okay all right fair mm-hmm. enough and and eventually I do know what he's saying yeah and eventually the the vc people said okay enough now go ahead and right size and unfortunately some people lost their wm. their positions and some new management was brought in and, and it's just been they you got know, the revenue you, they got the accounts they yeah. hope the account sticks so they got rid of uh a good a good, good number of people, mm-hmm. and and that's okay. That that happens in business, mm-hmm. and that's for the benefit of those that remain. Right. That being said, anytime you go through change, mm-hmm. change is never welcomed with open arms. You know, you got a certain way of doing things. You're kind of comfortable. You like it, and when you kind of have to get yourself out of that mindset, it can be a bit of a challenge. Yes. So we're moving on. We're getting on. We're getting things. Just some longer hours and really fun tasks, and <laughs> say all that with. Buckets of sarcasm. Are you feeling pretty secure? I know there was some um, I, question. I, I, yeah, I. You as know, as you can feel on like, a frayed rope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like the time of day. Today, wow. I happen to be in great standing. I don't know what the hell I did. I'm not really sure why that was. Today, today you would think I was the senior vice president and number two in command. The last two days, if I had sneezed the wrong way. Things could have gone pretty poorly for me. Mm. So Ruffles, just, you sneezed. You're out of here. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what we were, kind of what we were staring down the barrel at. Mm. But um, uh, you know that's what that's what happens in life. That's what happens uh, in business. And and um, really? you know I certainly don't need any uh, sympathy or or anything like that. That's just a natural part of what happens to real people. I think. 
Now, you know, I talk about real people that happens, especially with this economy right now, that's kind of going back and forth. And, uh, you know, that's a good reason to light a cigar. Just come back and relax after a hard day. Good point. And even as celebrate a good day. You know, I it's, agree. it's a we'll catch-all for everything. So <laughs> celebrate the fact that today you can afford a cigar. Yeah. Because <laughs> you tomorrow. Have one. No, wait. Okay. They can't see this. Coach has just changed to a different mic stand, a bigger one. He's like, wait, I'm not lazy enough with a short mic stand. I've got to get a bigger one mm-hmm. because I used to coach and be a physical, you know, physical trainer. So wow. I've got to do even less activity now. Wow. <laughs> now he's challenging your That is your exactly activity. what went through my head. I'm sitting here, and I see the uh, the floor stand sitting over by the, the shelf, and I was like, I'm going to be more lazy. Yeah. <laughs> now now I don't even have to I hold the, the stand. I right. thought the first time it was the epitome of laziness when he was putting the thing on his chest and just sitting back, laying back nope. there. I almost thought he was going to keep the little stand for the mic and take the big one and put a cigar in. <laughs> you know, because he didn't want to hold a cigar. That's not a horrible idea. <laughs> that is. And now, that is a great. I'll go to George's, micro, micro, uh, George's music. They make for musicians like a cup holder yeah. to go on those stands. So then he has a place for a spit cup. All right. So. Now I mean, here's, you know. here's what here's what's gonna happen. Oh, so now that go. you just said that, I'm gonna make one of those. That's a I'm great gonna idea. make a cigar. Like I don't know if I'm gonna make it where it clamps on to something. I'm definitely gonna make some kind of like hands free cigar smoking device. It has to be done. It's gonna have like a little ashtray. Like well, a drop okay. Cup. Actually, I know what we need. You know. My wife has me on the treadmill in the morning to kind of get some pounds off and everything. I wish there was a clip so I could put my cigar on so I can grab my drink of scotch on the treadmill, but it doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, I, I can't condone I that. I would agree. Well, okay, remember, remember those things they had as a kid? Those, uh, it was like that little bird for whatever reason would dip into the water? Yes. I take that kind of mechanism, you put it on like a headband, that when your head you know, upright, it, the cigar comes into your mouth. And then you just tilt your head back a little and it pulls away. <laughs> this is how we make the money to do oh, the show, God. people. Mm-hmm. That would be so freaking hilarious if you could figure out a way to make, like, oh, just, using a girl's headband or something. Can you imagine yeah. see, walk into a, a brick and mortar and you see a bunch of lazy assholes? <laughs> All right. So we have the caller. And yeah. Let me uh, take this. And uh, Hello, is this Glenn? It is Glenn. Mr. Loop, how are you, sir? Not bad. How about you? We are doing well. Doing well. We're sitting here smoking some uh, Casa Fuentes right now and uh, talking about that and, unfortunately, the economy. But uh, we're anxiously awaiting to uh, chat with you because uh, you have our future. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, none at all. None at all. So, but, well, uh, I'm afraid that destiny's in a lot of hands, and uh, we're, we're just playing puppeteer right now. Yeah. Yeah, so, so where do we stand with uh, uh, you know the the FDA uh, stuff going on? Oh, there's nothing going on. Show's over. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> hey, great. The, uh, hey, change the show now. <laughs> well, it's like I, uh, I I put up this morning. Um, the Food and Drug Administration has apparently messed up on managing medical devices that sparked the uh, outbreak of superbugs. And now the National Transportation Safety Board wants to clamp down on drinking and driving by dropping the blood alcohol level again for uh, public drunkenness. And so it's like, you know, the federal government has nothing to worry about. Syria, terrorism, public safety, the economy, public education, potholes in the streets. It all must be solved because they have 
time to concentrate about on on regulating cigars. Yeah, and wow. so uh, it's pretty amazing commentary on governing, actually. But where we are is, and I cannot remember the last time we spoke on this show, but it, what was it? Last summer, sometime. I believe it was uh, May uh, yes, or fall. I can't recall. I've done so many, but since since then and and the like. But I'll just kind of uh, start with where we have come since October nineteenth. You know, there are certain benchmark dates that stand out in the course of this trilogy. And, uh, you know, April 25th, 2014 was the date that the FDA uh, dropped the original deeming regulation on the industry. There were nine postings before that. Uh, then the public comment period went through August 1 of 2014. And then we go through the process with the White House Office of Management and Budget and getting our point across. And now the new magical date is October 19th, which is the date that the FDA delivered the proposed final rule, quote-unquote, to the White House Office of Management and Budget, which is where it sits right now. It's under review there. Um, there was within two weeks of that in October, apparently the uh, one of the – Vapor associations, one of the e-cigarette vaping associations, uh, supposedly supposedly got their hands on a copy of the rule and released the purported, I'm careful in how I phrase all this because it's all speculation, but they put out the table of contents. And that table of contents seemed to indicate that the agency had recommended that they were going for broke and recommend what's known as option one, which in layman's terms attempts to regulate cigars arguably more harshly than cigarettes. And so you work from that premise that that's the case, and then it's up to the administration to change that, to mitigate the damage, to recommend alternatives, or to accept their recommendation. We have no idea. So since that time, we've been working diligently to get our message across to the administration as to what option one would mean, uh, what standards we think they ought to be taking in terms of the premium cigar industry in this case. We've used it as an opportunity to reinforce our message to our allies in Congress. There was an attempt uh, to get our exemption language as well as changing the predicate date on new products into the Omnibus Budget Act that got through Congress. We know for a fact that that debate on our issue made it until the last 30 minutes of the negotiations on the omnibus bill, which is a testament to the allies of ours in Congress that we're going to the mat to try to get that in. We will be trying again in the new budget process, which actually begins next month. Um, So it's, excuse me. So it's a, never-ending messaging process with members of Congress. Our exemption legislation is up to 150 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives, which sends a good message to the administration, and 20 members of the United States Senate on that, which is significant for that chamber. So the message is getting through in that regard. The question is who's listening. Uh, We're also diligently utilizing our communication channels with our embassy friends, in Washington, because nobody has more to lose in this debate than the manufacturing community, the agriculture community, the distribution of logistics channels in Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, and Honduras. Um, so that's all a, a 
piece of the puzzle in terms of messaging, but we're also getting reinforcement from those countries that provide a lot of leaf for premium handmade cigars from Indonesia, Brazil, Mexico, uh, Cameroon, the Central African Republic, um, so Costa Rica, Panama. So the, the international community is helping to chime in on this. And we're also evaluating our, our legal options because if we end up getting a very disastrous rule, the most harsh of which would still require pre-market approval of blends before they can go to market, uh, there's little doubt that this question could end up in the courts. Uh, you yeah. simply, you know, to draw the analogy here, uh, if you make a, a trillion cigarettes, it's all the same cigarette, same chemical composition, same tobacco composition. It's all the same cigarette. You make a hundred cigars, same every one will be different. Uh, so it, getting the message across as to how cigars are different in the pre-market approval processes the most profound challenge because, as you guys well know, you go to the trade show and every company's put out one, two, three different blends annually based upon the availability of specific and unique tobaccos and the, how the aging and fermentation process fits into that puzzle in terms of changing a, a cigar. And when you've, anytime you've got a handmade product, the change can be, you know, constantly fluid and getting that message across as to how you cannot simply subject a, a cigar to a, a paper application that could take a company 5,000 hours. And that's their, that's their estimate. It could take a company 5,000 hours to do an application process to put a cigar on the market. Uh, you realize how daunting it could be to, to these companies, which are all predominantly family-owned cigar makers so that's a, a critical piece of this of this entire puzzle that uh, getting the message across as to, a, to a bunch of bureaucrats as to how the cigar industry simply doesn't fit into this little mold that they've created is uh, is a cornerstone of our work so with well, that I'll claim up for a second and take some questions yeah. from you <laughs> well, you're talking about how they, they're coming after the cigar industry more than cigarettes but is that maybe because the cigarette lobbyists are stronger? Is, is, you know. Well, there's 100% no doubt. I mean, Big Tobacco has opposed our exemption legislation from the very beginning. And there's no public secret about that. I mean, there's you know, 42 different healthcare groups, and Big Tobacco are all against it. And uh, it's this whole proverbial level playing field, quote-unquote, that people love to espouse and advocate. But you know, free markets shouldn't be subjected to level playing fields. And different a one-size-fits-all regulatory program simply doesn't fit in this case. For example, we know for a fact that the regulatory attempt to ban free samples is an attempt to ban free samples of e-cigarettes, just like they banned free samples of cigarettes. Or the days you could go to a NASCAR event, you could throw Marlboros into the stands or Copenhagen in the stands. And... Uh, as you guys well know, you folks well know, you go into a cigar shop, somebody comes out with a new blend, a rep walks in, hands everybody one, says, I hope you like it so that you'll make the investment. I hope you like it so that you'll buy one or buy a box. But everybody's palate is different. And getting the message across as to how the cigars are different, how everybody's palate is different, and how sampling is a critical part of the marketing model for premium handmade cigars is also a part of this process. Well, we know that e-cigarettes is the target on that. As a matter of fact, on many of these 
points. If it weren't for e-cigarettes, I'm not sure we would be having this conversation at all. But they're so anxious to get their arms around that, and words are simply wrapped up in the exact same deeming rule that uh, separating us out is, uh, again, a part of the process. So they're basically coming after cigars so they can get to the the vapor people. Well, it's about putting everything else that was not originally deemed subject to regulation, i.e. cigarettes and smokeless. Cigarettes and smokeless were originally deemed subject to regulation. To take in everything else, and everything else is hookah, pipe tobacco, e-cigarettes, and cigars. They put it into one deeming process to capture everything else that, for lack of a better term, delivers nicotine in some form or fashion. So that's the reason we're all lumped in together. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, I, I have a question for you, and I'm coming from a position of ignorance. I heard you say that some of the legislation, did, did you say, is, is in the, the White House at the moment? No, our legislation is in Congress with the 150 co-sponsors in the House and 20 in the Senate. Okay, I, I must have misunderstood. I thought there was an executive component to to where this sat at the moment, but uh, I, I must have... The executive component is the rule being reviewed by the White House Office of Management and Budget. That's where the executive branch sits in all this. The FDA and, delivers the final rule to OMB, to the administration. They review it. They change it. They alter it. They edit it. They adopt it. They can do whatever they want to do. Ah, so that's, that's where the executive branch comes into play on this. That's really interesting. Uh, so is is there any chance that given, not that this is uh, us advocating one side of the aisle versus the other, but is a changing of the guard, is there any way that actually sitting on it is as effective as anything else for a changing <laughs> of the guard? Yeah. Well, timing is everything, and uh, especially in politics. Right. And, yeah, there's little doubt that there's going to be a rule sooner rather than later. And okay. every administration, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, Obama, or a Bush, um, it doesn't matter. Every administration likes to put its 11th hour stamp on their legacy by putting out <laughs> as many regulations as humanly possible, and we're caught up in that whole mantra of regulatory push, uh, just like it would for any president, any president. So it's not a partisan issue in that regard. But we think there's going to be a rule out within the next month or so, and then we determine how bad it is, and mm -hmm. the one mechanism that would be available to us to drag it into the next administration would be the courts. Okay. And, Glenn, I guess right now they're trying to first – every administration is trying to go for a ministry of action to make their stamp on their so-called legacy or make some change here. Is that part of the problem right now because we are in the last uh, year and the, the ministry of action is trying to get as much regulations as possible? That's a part of it, but there's also a component of this where you've got certain members of Congress that are diligently pushing for this regulation specifically. There are, there's a collection in the House and the Senate that are really putting a lot of pressure on the administration to get a rule out specifically on this issue. So while the, you know, the administration and Congress will be arguing about rules on, for example, in the last two weeks, uh, the rule on water uh, regulation, the rules on coal regulation, uh, the 
the rules on financial services, uh, environment, energy, pick an issue. Uh, we'll, we'll be in this giant patchwork of rules coming out on a sundry of subjects. And no common sense being used on anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? And no common <laughs> sense being used on anything. <laughs> well, there's little doubt that the uh, the regulatory process has a severe impact on the economy. And there's all types of analysis out there as to how many trillions of dollars and billions of dollars and hundreds of billions of dollars that regulations cost uh, the American public and the regulatory process costs this economy. And this is no different. I mean, there was a one estimate that just in the user fees alone, if they were imposed at certain levels on the cigar industry, that's $40 million that's not going to be floating through the South Florida economy, for example. Mm-hmm because it's going to be all those Florida headquartered cigar companies that are paying those user fees. And if you base the anticipated level of user fees on production and imports, it gets about $40 million potentially to the to the industry just at the corporate level. Well, that's $40 million that's not flowing through the South Florida economy, and that's not insignificant. You, then you take, let's just take for the sake of argument that the Small Business Administration is correct and that you're going to wipe out 50% of the premium handmade cigar market with the proposed Demi rule. Well, that's the retail chain through 2,000 cigar shops scattered throughout the United States. So that's a lot of OTP taxes that are not going to be collected at the at the state level, at the local level. And our point is no one has properly calculated that type of fiscal impact. Hey, Glenn, in, in your opinion, how much of this do you think is motivated from the United States government getting into the business of healthcare and then and them applying algorithms to the expense of what line they're going to draw between tobacco and all the treatments that they claim are, are going to have to be a result of people that are cigar smokers? Well, that's pretty deep. Uh, <laughs> And hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to challenge you, Glenn. This is no softball, no, no, especially, like especially for Graham. Along those, lines, along those lines, I don't think you can dismiss that as a component of this regulatory process simply because we already know that you have to declare tobacco use on your health insurance forms, and the latitude is there for insurance companies, either through the public or private sector, to charge you know up to 50% more in premiums if you are a user of any form of tobacco it is one of and the in that respect and in that respect what you're driving at is a, a clear attempt at social engineering at its worst exactly and, and that's all that it amounts to is social engineering and it's the same and, and that leads you down the the path of wondering if if they can do this to tobacco how soon does sugar then become an issue, well, right? Sugar, as trans I use fat, this as a beltwether. Alcohol, everything. You know, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely everything. It's sugar, it's trans fat, it's alcohol. You know, pick a pick a vice. Yeah, right. and uh, and we are heading it, and that is one of the true threats of a single payer system, or allowing the insurance lobby to help to dictate a lot of these types of rules and regulations. But uh, our simple point is that. Premium handmade cigar smokers are not that type of a burden on the system, and that's our exactly. bottom line point on that. And is is there 
And you you had mentioned uh, the healthcare industry, and Graham just alluded to it also. Is there any support? I guess support is probably a, a, a wrong word, but is there any um, data that we have from the uh, healthcare industry to in any way uh, back what we all know that what you just said that you know cigar smokers, premium cigar smokers are not the same burden as um, cigarette users or uh, smokeless tobacco users? Well, we clearly included that type of data in our filed comment with the FDA, and we used data that was generated by our our consultant, who was Dr. Chris Coggins, um, a board-certified toxicologist, and did clearly an international review of existing studies on on this question. Um, There's clear evidence that premium handmade cigar smokers do not have one, they don't engage in the rate of inhalation as traditional smokers and clearly do not have the uh, the problem with addiction that other tobacco products may carry. So we delve deeply into inhalation and addiction questions in that submission. Also, we rely heavily upon... Sorry. Um that, um, matter of fact, we just had a meeting yesterday in Washington on this very subject where you know, we clearly tout the data that was in the National Cancer Institute, monograph number nine, which uh, seemed to indicate through a dramatic survey that uh, premium handmade cigar smokers actually have a life expectancy slightly longer than the non smoker, uh, simply because psychological and, and, uh, relaxation characteristics that, that come with enjoying cigars. So uh, we, do, we do have that, and we post that plea on our, on our website. If you go to our policy center section, cigarrights.org, our comment is filed there. We have a separate link in, in that to this type of, uh, of health quality, and uh, we've provided that to the administration, to the FDA, and through the, the public posting process. Yeah, thanks. That's yeah, great answer. That's fantastic. Yeah. So here's a potentially, I guess, loaded question: Is there someone, a candidate or candidates that we should really be considering for the uh, future? Well, that's a good question too. Um, I'd almost rather rather talk about social engineering, but we'll go to <laughs> the political <laughs> question. Um, well, let me just put it this way: I mean, in the current uh, group of, of candidates, I'll talk about just sort of their historical uh, perspective. Uh, governor, when when he was governor of Florida, Governor Bush was was good to the industry, especially on tax questions. Um, Senator Rubio um, has been a consistent stalwart supporter of our exemption legislation as a member of the United States Senate. Uh, governor Gilmore of Virginia is still in the race, believe it or not, and he's a honorary lifetime member of Cigar Rights of America. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who dropped out of the race, has been a consistent supporter of our exemption legislation as well, but is a non-factor now in the presidential race. So in the current grouping, uh, Rubio and Bush have uh, a demonstrated record, shall we say, of supporting the industry. We provided our open letter 
to the candidates for president as to what the regu- regulations mean to the industry and how, what we expect from the next administration in this regard. Uh, we've provided it to every campaign, Democrat and Republican. And the Bush and Rubio campaigns, believe it or not, are the two we heard back from. Okay, that's good to know. So, um, but um, we will be working every angle, and have talked about outreach to the next administration, whether they be Democrat or Republican. So that's sort of in that Plan B, Plan C, Plan D category of what do we do, depending on the severity of the rule that'll come out. Okay. And Glenn, you also mentioned like some of the congressmen and senators are putting uh, pressure on the administration too. It looks like we have some friends and. With us having 150 uh, in Congress, uh, but it sounds like a lot of them are on the attack for us too. Are they getting pressure from their lobbying groups, or? And that's why I got to say that being involved is very important right now. Well, it is, and that's the reason we keep that petition active to members of Congress. And over 370,000 people have responded to that petition to members of Congress, and that, and we've done very targeted petitioning work to members of Congress that we specifically needed. And some offices have actually asked for that type of input from uh, the cigar community. And that's resulted in members of coming under our legislation, whether from the House or the Senate, uh, because of that type of public input. And so that's been a valuable part of the process. And so, that again, that's why we keep the congressional petition active. It's in, why it's critical for everybody to be active and engaged, because the severity and seriousness of this question cannot be underestimated. Too many people still think it's fly-by-night. They think it's make-believe. They don't think it can happen to them, whether they're retailers or consumers or, in some cases, manufacturers. No matter how diligently we pounce the message, no matter how many you know, phone conversations, conference calls, emails, newsletters, media broadcasts like this that we engage in, it's amazing to me to this day how many come up to me and say, oh, it will never happen to us. Well, it can and it will. And, uh, and again, that's why we emphasize the engagement. But did they just do their homework with the way this government's been over a couple hundred years of surprising people and not necessarily in a good way? They should know it can happen. And it, you know, that's right. That's right. You know, I mean, uh, so, uh, well, you know, let's change gears slightly. Um, you know, we're here in Pennsylvania, and our lovely new governor is trying to impose that 40% uh, wholesale tax. And uh, I know we had talked about that, you know, one time. Uh, I think we might have talked about it at uh, Cigarnival when we saw you last. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, I, I know they shot it down a little bit, but I well, still it's think the subject that seems to never go away in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter whether it's this administration or or Governor Rendell before that. Uh, the subject of, of taxation on cigars in Pennsylvania is just as a subject that never seems to go away. So, fortunately, the, the Pennsylvania State Senate has been the firewall uh, on that type of legislation, never making it to the governor's desk. And there's been stalwart pushback from the cigar community, which is very strong in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You know, when you've got companies like, like Ashton, Holtz, uh, Famous, Cigars International, the retail community, and, and you've got an amazing farming community that's engaged in this process in yeah. Lancaster County and up to 500 family farms that are producing Pennsylvania broadleaf that push back on this type of uh, proposal. So hopefully that Senate firewall will, will remain intact. And there's the other issue in Pennsylvania that we have to be worried about, and that is legislation to close the exemptions on smoking bans. Uh, 
We have an active petition on that legislation. There is some anticipation that that legislation could actually get through committee this time, which would be a novelty and not a very welcomed experience, but it personifies why we have to be diligent in these types of things. Yeah. So and I'm glad you brought up the state's issues in that regard. I'll run through a quick litany because we're in that season when, when in a sundry of state legislatures, up to 40, 44 are going to be going into session here within the next week or two, and some already have, is we already have legislation in Florida that would would, would attempt to roll back the preemption clause on smoking regulations in Florida and would give local governments the authority to regulate. And that's not good because that's been the firewall on preventing beach smoking bans and public park smoking bans and those types of activities in Florida and also allowing local governments to regulate smoking regulations across the board. And that's something that we, you know, the 65 counties in Florida and over 400 political jurisdictions. And you simply don't need that type of a quilt work of, of regulations spanning the state, not knowing what the rules are from one county to the next. So that bill needs to die. And it and seems like it's happening. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It seems like it's happening in the cities right now where city ordinances are happening all over the place on uh, where you can smoke, where you can't smoke, and so many feet from how many doors and, and all types of garbage like that, too. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, we're very candid about this, and we catch some flack about it, but I don't apologize for it because if you could spend 24-7 on public park government property smoking bans and have absolutely nothing to show for it, but my point is, I think it reinforces our message as to why government should keep their hands off the private sector. Sure, regulate smoking in the public park. If that's the avenue you want to go, it's government property. But that means you keep your paws off the cigar shops, the cigar lounges, the cigar bars, those that cater to our clientele that are truly private property. You know, I've been very consistent over seven years. I think smoking bans are the largest seizure of private property rights in the history of the republic. And and can, our opposition has done a magical job of convincing a lot of politicians that a restaurant or a bar is public property, and it clearly mm-hmm. is not. So uh, that's kind of where those chips kind of are going to fall. But there's going to be statewide smoking ban proposals in Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, West Virginia uh, in the coming season. And now we have this new tax proposal in the city of Chicago where – you would think Mayor Rahm Emanuel will have something else to think about these days, but yeah. now he wants yeah. to slap another 90 cents on cigars. And uh, it's kind of funny. He came out of this administration to become mayor of Chicago. So the same administration that wants to regulate it and put 50% of the market out of business, he wants to raise taxes on it to raise $6 million for his pet project. And so that proposal needs to go down, and we have active petitions against that. It goes to all 50 members of Chicago City Council. So other than that, it's kind of boring and not much going on. Yeah. Yeah, so your job, you know, you don't have a lot to do, huh? So, I mean, I'd say you and uh, the whole crew at uh, Cigar Rights is, uh, again, my hat's off to you. You guys are, yeah, you know, hard, working harder than I could ever imagine. And, uh, you know, it's a very complex web that uh, you, know, you guys have to chase. So, again, I, well, I, I appreciate you. that, but we're all in this mess together, and it's going to take uh, the voices of three million cigar smokers in this country to become a political force, to demonstrate that they are a political constituency, yeah. and, uh, and to have a hand in this next election. And that's the reason we also announced this week uh, that we, are, we have coordinators for cigar smokers in Iowa, New Hampshire, 
Nevada, South Carolina, the early caucus and primary states. And Westgate, a, a great friend of the cause, is a member of Waverly City Council in, the, in Iowa, is diligently spreading our open letter to the candidates for president and our citizens' letters on what regulation means to cigar consumers in Iowa during that caucus process. Um, Barry Stein is doing the same thing for us in New Hampshire. Um, so we've got that going on in, in four different states in this early caucus and primary session uh, to help get our message across to whomever is the next occupant to the White House. Yeah. But I have a, <clears throat> this question has been on my mind, um, and you know, we haven't been able to figure this out at all. Uh, is there any way that uh, I guess this legislation could be attached to potentially another legislation to get it uh, approved um, as far as like, like on the not, back not, end. yeah like on the back end of something is there something that we should be potentially well, whole, looking out for that's exactly what we were trying to do with the omnibus bill and okay. it's got to be attached to a budget bill and that's the reason we're going to try that again with the budget bill that'll be coming up in february so it, it has never been an effort to try to get this legislation through through a freestanding vote by any stretch of the imagination Politically, that's just 100% unrealistic. Right, yeah. But uh, that attachment to a budget bill has been the one way that we have attempted every year in the past, and we'll be doing so again next month. Now, on the flip side, is there a potential that it will be attached to another bill? Um, I'm sorry, the bans and the other uh, negative legislations, is there a possibility that they will be attached to something that we should be uh, aware of that? At the federal level? Uh, let's say with the state level, because that's uh, probably a little easier to... So I'm a little confused about what you're driving at. Uh, are you talking about smoking ban bills at the state level being attached to other bills? or? Yes. Like, are are no, they potentially was... going to attach it to something else, or is it, are they trying to get it through? Um, no, the smoking state? bills at the state level almost always go through uh, independently. As standalone measures. The one time that I've seen a smoking regulation attempt, a statewide smoking ban attempt to be attached to another bill at the state level was Texas a couple years ago. A very creative member of the Texas House tried to get the smoking ban, statewide smoking, there isn't one in Texas. See. She tried to get the smoking ban bill attached to the Texas state budget based on the premise that literally you can't make this crap up. That it would, in the first year, a smoking ban would save the state of Texas $300 million in health care costs. And it was creative, but it failed. But that's the one example of something like that that I've seen uh, that kind of is analogous to what you're talking about. Everything else along those lines at the state level is going to be an independent act of the legislature, I believe. Okay. So, well, you know, right now, one of the things I want to do is urge all the listeners. Um, if you're not a member of Cigar Rights of America, you need to join, um, you know, so we can protect our rights um, and you know what, you know, help support Glenn and, and the whole gang there, uh, what they're doing, and they're obviously doing uh, a lot of work and phenomenal work. Um, and unfortunately, um, it looks like they have job security with the way this government's going. So uh, <laughs> you know, go to uh, you know cigarrightsofamerica.org, right? Just cigarrights.org. Okay, cigarrights.org, and uh, make sure you join. So it's, uh, and again, you know, it's uh, it's it's astounding that you know I had someone uh, I was talking to in a 
someplace, and they were saying, well, you guys don't really need to smoke cigars, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay, the government stops us from smoking cigars. You have to ask yourself, what's next? You know, it might not be something you enjoy now, but what's next? You know, again, oh, it's cheeseburgers. Gonna, I guarantee yeah, it's cheeseburgers. Fast food, <laughs> you know. It, it, they go after fa- it wouldn't affect me, but, you know, <laughs> the, the cigars, you know, hey, close McDonald's. I don't really care. But don't mess with my cigars. So, you, know. <laughs> you know, but here's the part we gotta care because you know when some freedoms get attacked, they all get attacked. Yeah. And uh, Glenn, that's one thing I appreciate about you. You're helping us with our freedom because what's gonna be next as Vince says. So we gotta be very careful about that. That's right. That's right. Well, um and if anybody's any of your listeners that pick up on this now or later that have any questions, they can email me at info at cigarrights.org. I'd be glad to answer any questions. Uh, all matters whether they're in Washington or in a particular city or or state, and uh, glad to clarify any anything about engagement or or legislation or ordinances that uh, are affecting people across the country. Yeah, and Glenn, I, you know, again, I want to uh, put to you, and I've said this to you before. Uh, anytime you have something you want to talk about and get the word out, we're here for you. Uh, just you know, drop me a line or you know whatever, uh, or even to send me something you want me to read on air. I'll do that if you don't have time to come on. Um, yeah, you know, we're obviously big supporters of uh, of you and, and uh, cigar rights, and uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, you know our rights are protected. Well, I appreciate that a lot, and I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I'm gonna, if it's okay, we'll, I'm gonna sign off now. But if there's anything comes up later in your show, I know you're a two-hour show. Uh, just start me a line, and I'll call back in. But I need to break for a little while. But uh, glad to help out anytime and anything you need. Okay, we appreciate it, Glenn. And, and again, thank you for what you do. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to help, um, you know, we definitely push. Uh, we actually, the last few shows have been talking about uh, cigar rights. And, again, mentioned everybody, make sure you join so uh, we can enjoy these freedoms. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, again, we're big supporters, and we can't thank you enough, Glenn. And, and thank you for com- calling into the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, fellas. We'll be in touch soon. Okay. Thank right, you, Glenn. You. Bye-bye. That was Glenn Loop, the uh, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America. Uh, and again, can't urge uh, everyone enough to uh, join. It's, it's $35 a year. Um, and they even have some packages, too. Uh, that if you, I think it's a $100 package or something like that. They actually send you some cigars. And some of them are, are only ones that were blended just for yeah. joining. And I think actually one of the Casa Fuentes that we're smoking is, that right? is, is in that packet, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Don't hold me to that. But... I think it might be, but there's some cigars that are blended just for that. They even have special bands on them that say Cigar Rights of America. So. Thank, thank goodness for, for Glenn. I, I think the, 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 the point that you were making, Drew, is, is an important one, and that is, um, again, get, getting out of the, the idea of you know, what, what side of the defense, because there are all sorts of other issues that come with yeah. either being Republican or Democrat or a Libertarian. There's a, there's a great deal of detail here that, that you could get into. The general premise of regulation in this country, which is not all bad. Reg- regulation in general is not all bad. It is for common good. It's a very slippery slope. And having the authority to regulate things that matter to the American people, whether that's safety, whether that's health, I think is, is generally a good idea. This happens to be one of those... I think bellwether moments and topics whereby watching what the FDA and the executive branch is able to impose unilaterally 
is going to be, it's going to tell you volumes about the social engineering, to, to borrow Glenn's um, uh, verbiage, I think is going to tell you a great deal about what's coming. Because this is, to me, a very black and white, hands-off thing that should not even be remotely touched and only is done so by throwing around a term like tobacco, which has taken on this hyper-negative connotation, which usually is attached to cigarettes, Mm -hmm. and making it completely so broad that now it's give an inch, take a mile. If somebody wants to argue the negative long-term effects of smoking cigarettes, I think you have a legitimate conversation given the chemicals and what we know. I think it is altogether irresponsible to treat premium handmade cigars. I don't mean those that are hyper-flavored. This isn't a Joe Camel kind of thing where they have something to look at and tell us. But see, you have kids, and you really want the kids coming in. Listen, that's not what we're talking about here. I happen to be smoking a blue-label Don Pepin. In no way, shape, or form is some child going to go spend $9 on this and and insert themselves into smoking cigars, nor get themselves into such a health frenzy that it is their leading cause of of health concerns moving forward. It just is not the same conversation. Exactly. Isn't there the the old stereotypical thing about the kid who steals one of his dad's cigars and he smokes it and turns green and throws up? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, most kids, if they try a cigar, they generally don't have a great experience. That's exactly right. And again, if if, if I was a kid like that, if I had $9, I'm going to try to get a pack of cigarettes where I have 20 Right. versus one cigar. I mean, yeah, right. kids are all about volume. They're not or, buying a bag with one M&M. They're buying a bag with uh, 35 right. or whatever. Or it is. remember this, when we were eight years old and we thought it was cool to take a sip of Dad's whiskey. Boy, was that how many times we turned yeah. green on that till yeah. we yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious. I, I'd like to hear Glenn at a different time. He kind of touched on the international community. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't just the impact on our domestic economy, right. there are other economies attached to it. And, oh, and I'm curious in, in the level of support that cigar rights get, just how much with all of us know uh, that are regular premium cigar smokers, that Nicaragua has become mm-hmm. the right. place. What, ha- what influence and what support comes from the Nicaraguan government who now is seeing an absolute blossoming mm-hmm, of this right. in their country, knowing that, you know, while it's not their entire um, uh, engine of consumption, it has to be a significant one. Correct. And what are they doing to help support what Glenn is doing? And, and is that heard differently than a domestic lobbying? I, I don't know the answer to it, and I'm yeah. kind of curious what influence, if any, that they're actually they're actually doing to make sure that this gets carved out of what may otherwise be a legitimate concern. Well, it's like everything. Right now it's multinational companies and everything. And we're, we have different products throughout the whole world that we all work together on and everything. And one economy that goes back no matter where it is in the world affects us and vice versa. And that's the part where we're kind of seeing right now with 
our economy right now. It's it's a world situation, not just a U.S. situation. But here's the other part, too. Like the FDA, they got other things to worry about. Like how about that, as Glenn said, that next generation of antibiotics and make sure that's truly going to be good for the public health and public good or making sure that there's not Ebola at Chipotle anymore. Goodness gracious. Come on, guys. Let's focus on something. Yeah, I mean, well, is it, you know, you have to step even further back. Is it really the government's job to regulate what food we eat, cigars we smoke? I thought the federal government's job was to protect us and to keep the country running, not to micromanage. And I think that's the problem is we've given a minority of people too much power, and they've gotten overboard with it. Now they're micromanaging. Well, I mean, if you really get into the the politics of the FDA right through the Department of Education, these things, by definition of the way our government was set up, were never supposed to exist. Now, I I could make arguments for why some of it, whether it's right or wrong, has proven beneficial for everybody in the country. That. This very particular case around premium handmade cigars is just, it's, it's grossly not being uh, looked at either by virtue of it's just not a big enough industry for somebody to care about, right? That, that unlike an insurance lobbyist, there just isn't the amount of pressure and they're glossing over it, well, or you have hyper-motivated cancer people. According to the internet, okay, and uh, you know, again, you can put as much as right. as you want. The amount of Americans that smoke cigars, the amount of the population, is they say seven percent. I actually think it's probably lower than that, but let's keep it at seven percent. So they they're looking at it. Like, here's a minority that we can go after. Now that's not cigarette smokers. That's premium cigar smokers. Is seven percent. So they're saying we can go after them. What kind of strength? And we can look like heroes. Look, we're abolishing this bad tobacco, you know. And in the meantime, they're not hitting the percent of uh, cigarette smokers, which I think was between 18 to 25 percent of Americans smoke cigarettes. And they're not going after them as much, you know. And it, it's it's all bullshit, you know. It, mm-hmm. it's, again, people need to be afraid of our government, you know. That, and that that number you cited sounds high. I heard. Glenn said he he quoted about three million, uh, and I've heard that number tossed around before, which would equate to just about one percent of yeah. our total population. Maybe seven percent if you take adults above the age of thirty five year thirty five years old, since they're about mm-hmm. three hundred and thirty million. Yeah, I don't know where all of us that came you know, from. For, uh, you have, uh, children and millennials and right. all of that. So so that seven percent even sounds somewhat manipulated around you know, the, the audience rather than the yeah. population. Well, again, I said it's the Internet. They don't right. justify how they came up with that number. But, you know, so, so I, I, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't think it's even 7%. I would feel comfortable at 4%. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I but, don't, you know, it's like, it just, people need to be afraid. If, again, yeah. if, you know, it's, you know, it's a, a Boston Tea Party kind of thing. It's yeah. going to happen here. We but need to, because the government is going to do what they want. If we keep giving them ground, they're going to go after everything, and and you know we're going to have to march to their Hitler Youth. What they you know you have to eat this, you have to drink this, and they're going to run your lives. And, and here's the thing: simple, like so, the people who maybe not concerned self cigar smoker, but how about that time when we have a birth of a child when someone is not a normal smoker, but they'll have that celebration cigar at a childbirth, 
or at a wedding when you don't got normal smokers. So I can see the number getting closer to seven because you have some people who are maybe non-smokers, well, but they'll have that one or two sticks a year or maybe five sticks a year. But see, I don't consider that. They should not be a factor. It, yeah, it should I, be to, well, to me, it should be, do you smoke a minimum of two a month? How's that? Okay. If, if, you, if you're going to deem someone a cigar smoker, I would say two a month would qualify you as a cigar smoker. I actually but, think but this is the part two where I think, Vince, that's not the point because people have the freedom to do that, okay? Sure. They should have the right to do that. People should be able to have the right to do what they want to do and to celebrate how they want to do. It's like, okay, what's going to be next? Is it going to be, oh, is like the New York attack on a big gulp. Come on. Yeah, well, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, you have people who smoke a cigar in celebratory situations, but they don't necessarily enjoy it. They're smoking it because it's that is the what you're supposed to do or what they think they're supposed to do. So I don't classify them as a cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. They're just going through the motions of like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. My friend, you know, my brother had a, a you know, his wife had a baby, so I'm going to have a cigar with him. I hate the damn things, but I'm going to have one, you know. I, at the, oh, at the wait, same we, time. We have another caller here. Oh, Hold okay, good. Let's see. Let me uh, take this one on. Okay, we have a caller, 215 area code. Yo, what's up? Hey, this is Clive. Clive, <laughs> how are you? I was going to say, 215. Hey, how you guys doing? Not necessarily. So, how are you making out tonight, Clive? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm just here uh, listening and uh, finding the Clive, show. Clive, quick, uh, what am I thinking right now? Um, That you wish you had hit the Powerball. Uh no, he didn't mean buy a ticket. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but uh, so you've been listening the whole time? Uh, I didn't listen to right in the beginning because I was out um, with the kids doing some some stuff. But uh, okay. I've been listening for a little while now, and uh, yeah, just uh, man, it's, it's crazy uh, the stuff that's that's coming down the pike with uh, government regulations. You know, it's crazy. I just yeah. I I I also worry about we we were just talking about data and I don't I don't think you can um, overstate da- data for people that work in it is only as trustworthy as the person who's delivering you the data right when you right. start citing things like well seven percent of this and the the devil's in the details what what are the parameters who conducted the studies I would want to know. Right. Right when they start making outrageous claims ab- about things, it's a, it's important to understand. Like anything in life, it there is um, skepticism is a healthy human condition that protects us from problems. And data thrown out by people arguing against this needs to be examined very closely. Well, it, it's sort of like cigar reviews for me. When they like, I'll pick an aficionado. When they give you a number of like ninety two, you go. Well, how the hell did you come up with that number? You're not right. telling me how you came up with that number. I mean, I know how they come up with the number. Right. It's how many? How much advertising dollars did you put into it? Yeah. But what's yeah. actually go? I mean, there's other people who come up with numbers, and it's like, okay, I'll accept your number, but you have to show me how you came upon that number. Don't just tell me, well, it's a 91 because I liked it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, why didn't you give it a hundred? You know, why has right. no cigar that I'm aware of ever gotten a hundred? Ever gotten a hundred? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, what, <laughs> how do you know what the perfect cigar is if you? Oh, there's my mic. Okay, went in and out for a second. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it even one step further. Kind of going back to my point around the the idea of regulation. I, I you know, have in previous shows kind of shared that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I regularly pull the lever in in most cases 
more on the the uh, moderate uh, Republican side of the the aisle. I I don't. I, and maybe I'm 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 one of few, but I don't believe regulation in general um, in its in its total purpose is a bad thing. I I actually support. Uh, certain regulation, particularly as it relates to the way money works and finances. I I am not an advocate um, of total free open market. I think there are common sense ways to govern things in this country that, generally speaking, are good for the people that live here in total. This is not that. Uh, And and I bring up that that comment more so because what I don't want to have happen by virtue of this conversation is regardless of what side of the aisle you're on to make it feel like it's a one side of the aisle or other this is not that type of topic i think where it 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 has to be one or the other i think what it does have to is uh again a a general critique and skepticism of a group of people who a are not carving out the time to properly view this subject matter with the kind of uh, uh, rigor that it deserves, which you will find out in a quick conversation with somebody like Glenn, um, it doesn't deserve to be attached to all of the other tobacco-related concerns that they're going after, which, again, I could say, I could argue that there are some legitimate concerns there. Um, right, and so uh, you know, my my only point is, I don't think this is what side of the aisle you're on. This is as a citizen of this country. This is this is bad. This is bad if they can't seem to determine and distinguish this from everything. Yeah. Then you ought to question everything that they're looking at. Either they're doing too much. I don't I don't know no. what the hell's going on but then you don't have either the right system or the right people evaluating this. So whether you are on the other side of the aisle and now we're on to the topic of education or finance, you ought to be concerned because these are, right. these are the same type of people that are having those conversations. Well, Glenn touched on a little bit in the beginning that you know, our government really has bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. You know, don't we need yeah. to worry about getting jobs, fixing the roads <laughs> exactly. and bridges in this country? We have homeless. We have people going to bed hungry. We have, you know, we have terrorists. We have, you know, we 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 have no mental health care system in this country anymore. Or you know, here in Pennsylvania, have... they've closed all the state yeah. hospitals. So a lot of our homeless are the are the mentally disabled that are out on the streets because they had no family to go to and no place to go. We just said, oh, we're closing it. Goodbye. And and now, well, you know, these are bigger fish you know, to fry it, than. And it's very, very important that one of those homeless people can't get their hands on an unlicensed cigar. <laughs> yeah. They better register their cigars yeah. and get or, a background check before you get a cigar. Or a veteran yeah, being refused <laughs> a bed for health care. Yeah, I right. mean, yeah. those are important issues, and we're talking about cigars. Yeah, I mean, right. the focus on our so-called leadership in D.C., and I blame all 436 of them, are so out of focus right now, it's not even funny. Well, and again, yeah, we're, we're again, here we have a country with, you know, I don't care what they say about the, well, the unemployment rate's going down. No, it hasn't. There's just fewer people that are on unemployment. They now have no income, right. so they're no longer a stat. You know, so again, like we're talking about the percentage of cigar smokers, you know, their stat is skewed, and it's the people aren't aware. 
you know, I had a guy the other day tell me, oh, man, the economy's never been better. I'm like, what window what? are you looking out of? Exactly. You know, because yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're not looking at the same window. I've been out of work since 2009. Don't tell me it's gotten better. I said, yeah. you know, highest-paying job I've been offered was a bullshit job for 12 bucks an hour that, you know, years ago when the economy was good was a probably $19 to $20 an hour job. And know? here's a big part with the economy right now. I mean... Clear back in 2008, the average salary, and I'm taking top to bottom, was around $56,000 a year. Right now, the average salary is 49000 a year. Yeah. You can't tell me it's good at all. Well, and it's not when you talk to everyday people and see what's happening in America. Well, that's the jobs I used to do, running CAD, you know, drafting departments, used to pay between 45 to 50 to start. Those same jobs, if you can find one posted, they're starting at 24 because they know there's so many people out of work. It's like, well, if you don't want the job for 24, there's a guy behind you that will take it. So it's, it, it's you know, uh, okay, anyway. Yeah. So let's uh, change it to a little better subject for a moment, okay? I'm, my blood's starting to boil now. Drew brought in these Casa Fuente cigars that you're missing, Clive. You can oh, only Jesus. get them in Vegas. And, uh, are you serious? Yep, and they are awesome. Are, are you going to save one for me till next week? Uh, yours just burned up in a fire. I have mine here. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of went up in smoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> spontaneously Drew's combusted. Coach. Well, I, coach. I yeah. Grab one and hide it for me. <laughs> I had one blow up. I tried a little something different, used the punch on it, and I saw that little crack. And sure enough, when you got low enough, it, it the back end of it imploded. You overheated it. I overheated uh, it. Yeah, so it's well, uh, yeah. I was trying to save yours from the fire. I kept drawing, trying to suck the air out of it. All I was smoke, and it, it went down to the end. So I still have mine wow. here in solo. So, but I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I could just feel the love. I could just feel the love oozing through this phone right now. <laughs> I got a friend out in Vegas right now. I'll try to get her to bring you one back. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you. Hey, Casa Fuente is definitely a place to go when you're in Vegas, folks. Yeah. Uh, it's a must. Uh, hell, like I said before, hell with the casinos. Go to Casa Fuente. So uh, uh, we got to uh, we got to organize a trip out there. Well, How much fun would that be? Jeff, Van oh trip. my God! Uh, I have the car with unlimited miles on it. So oh my God! It didn't even <laughs> what? The biggest Dude. bear you've ever had. <laughs> We're gonna Uber to Vegas. That's about thirty-five bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know what? We could pick up somebody in every town. I swear to God! Like, oh my God! We planned you know, it out right. Just get I, them to pay for the trip. Man. I actually thought if I yeah. actually put something like that on. On the web, like, okay, I'm an Uber driver, and I want to go across the country and back all with Uber rides. If people would help me do that, they're like, so you get a ride from, say, from here Definitely. to Harrisburg, and someone from Harrisburg to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guarantee you somebody could make it work. Now, whether we're smart enough to, that remains <laughs> that uh, question. No. <laughs> but I promise you, somebody could make that work, I swear. Where did that, where did that, uh, that robot, what was the robot yeah. thing, trash can that they said? Oh, on Preston and Steve, they were doing the Pope bot. Well, there was the Pope Bot, but before the Pope Bot, there was another one. Yes. The Pope Bot was inspired, inspired by this other one. Right, so, right, yeah. right. But so, okay, we'll go, you know, because okay, I want to touch on Fuente cigars since I'm not a Fuente cigar. But first, let's, what are you thinking, Coach? Of uh, Dude, I, I'm i loving this one. This this is nice. I still have to put the, the Añejo above it just because I have a sweeter palate. Mm-hmm. But uh, I smoked the uh, short story or the bestseller right before this, and this is good. 
This yeah. is really good. I'm, yeah. I'm liking it. Even if it wasn't, because Clive's here and not having one, we'll have to make it sound like it's the best cigar ever. No, I, I, if, <laughs> no it is. If it wasn't, I would say I, I respect your opinion, but I can't smoke this. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is a cigar you can get at Casa Fuente yeah. in Vegas. So mm-hmm. I don't even think Holtz carries these. You don't nope, have, just Casa Fuente. I was yeah. going to say, you know, like, Graham, I think you'll like this. You know how you always He's say had like, them. Oh, you've had it. Oh, yeah. I was when say, when we went out to Vegas, okay. Vince and I stopped by, and that was the one, knowing that I, you know, not knowing when the next time I would be able to get back there, smoked it. And I kind of did it, I, I did it more so because, you know, you're at the venue, people talk about it, and you go, well, Jesus, if I'm going to smoke a cigar, this, the one time I'm here, I've got to make sure I smoke it. And I did it kind of with a reservation, because I'm not typically a Fuente smoker. Just, again, not Neither bad cigar, not bad people. They're, they're terrific. But I came away absolutely loving it. I would smoke it all the time if I had access yeah. to it, and uh, only because of Drew's generosity. This, this will be my second. Um, I think it's I think it's dynamite. Anybody that yeah. thinks that they may not like Fuente cigars should not one. judge the Casa Fuente till they've yeah. had it. Oh, and right. I think most of them will walk away kind of converted going, you know, and that's plus, different than their others. The thing about Casa Fuente, too, just the experience. You have to you have to feel the whole experience, having a great smoke, having a great drink, and the service there was phenomenal. Uh, it, it was I an experience. I think he's in love with that one waitress. He's oh, hey, if you guys saw Danielle, you would understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have some hot chicks out there, that's for sure. But that's Vegas, I think all the women are beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's why I made a point of uh, sending... Uh, Vince, a little bit of a text picture of uh, my experience there, and uh, I think the response was, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was stuck in a room with these guys. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's not, fair. Not that Graham isn't a good-looking man and should be in Hollywood, but... Well, <laughs> well let, let, Bernie Perron Me and Bernie Perron. <laughs> let's put it this way. If I was looking Bernie at... Bernie Perron uh, said that about you? Yeah. If wow. I was looking at Graham like I was looking at Danielle, I'd go outside and kick my own ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, Graham's kind of effeminate, so I don't think anybody would judge you. <laughs> Whoa! Hey, hey, hey. There's no kind of about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't even, you didn't even let me respond to the first insult. You it's all called bitch. timing, pal. All called timing. <laughs> that was a long distance dig. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I shared a hotel room with him more than once, so I, this is why they I, do I'm the wondering comedy. about that hotel room experience now, Ben. It's on video. You don't, can go to you know gaycatholicpoisonleather.com and ooh. all I know is all I know is I want to go to Vegas next time. <laughs> oh. Don't don't make it dirty, Vince and I. Just we just uh, what, what do we call it? We, we're Joe. Bananas. Go. Bananas. We bananas. Well, I know we were trying try to save the environment, so we showered together. <laughs> Why waste water? <laughs> just eco-friendly. You know, we didn't want to give the maids extra you you just, know, work. You didn't want to waste one bed. It wasn't a big deal. Don't make it You didn't want to waste water, so you just licked each other. So you dried each other. Well, of course. We used the same towel together, you know. Right. We can serve body heat, you know. Those desert nights are cold. There they are. Yeah, yeah at 115 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> well, we had a couple hundred yeah. bucks, so you yeah. shared each other's yeah, meal. Don't, don't, yeah. don't make it ugly. Make it okay. it just, you know, right. <laughs> Jealousy is showing through. You know, By the way, make it how, much, it wasn't. How, yeah. how much easier would the relationship be if we could actually find a way to make that work? Do you know how many less arguments 
All I'd have is a cigar smoking buddy. Is basically what I have. <laughs> well, you know, like, term for, there's a term for get married gay couples. It's called dinks. Double income, no kids. Because they yep. seem to have all the fucking money. Yeah. Oh yeah. Double no. income, no kids. That sounds great. Yeah, but they're yeah. all they're adopting kids. Though, so. Well, shame on them. Yeah. Then, then they don't qualify for dink anymore. But I can see that being a pandy ass too. Well, well, yeah, well. But a bump. <laughs> well, it depends. It's a good thing we got Guy right off. Oh, oh boy. Uh, I hope he's not. <laughs> I gotta go home and pray now. <laughs> uh. It's too late for me. Pray for somebody else. <laughs> Save uh. yourself. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I love you guys. Same here, guys. So right. We had a. Uh, so we had an interest. Am I allowed to talk about sports? Go for Can it. Can I do that, or do yeah, you I, have an agenda? Well, I do want to talk to Drew since he's a financial advisor. I told him, like uh, we had said earlier, that do it. We're not. We don't know a whole lot about uh, stocks and everything else. And I talked to him about you know sh- there's stuff going on in China. I'm not sure what what that does to us. You know, so I mean, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have 39 minutes left in the show, so. You know, we'll get uh, Drew to give us because uh, I, I do want to touch on what's going on with the NFL coaches and stuff. So, kind of curious. Quick that, question: so. If you're going to go, what the heck is a penny stock? A penny stock, very simple. That is stock that's normally priced five dollars or less, and they call a penny stock. Okay, and okay. basically, it's very cheap in value, and people say, "Okay, let's try its value," or they expect it to grow a lot. Okay. So, there's some risk to it, and that's one thing, too, is looking at the risk management of things, too, not just purchasing it. What is the upside, the downside, and the uh, risk to it also? Okay. Is there that a minimum? Wondering. When you buy stock, is That's there a minimum my, amount you have to buy? That was my next question. I mean, like, so let's say I want to buy Disney stock, and let's say it's $100 a share. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. But let's say I say, okay, I got 100 bucks. I'm going to throw it at that. Do I... Can I only buy one share, or do I have to go buy, like, well, you got to buy 100 shares? Well, no, you can buy any shares you want. It's just going to be cost you more, because then you're buying what's called, referred to as an odd lot anything, which is 100 shares or less, okay? Uh, and that's when you have issues right now, and uh, it really, uh, it, it's just the cost is going to be up there more, okay, because so there's going to be some minimum charges for that. Okay, so it's preferred to buy 100 or more. Norm, right. Normally a hundred, then it's you're gonna get some uh, better pricing on. But yes, I have bought fifty shares, and some people just wanted to get twenty, and they didn't mind paying a little higher uh, fees for that or anything. Like uh, when Apple was at uh, seven hundred a share, uh, okay, I only went fifty. A lot of people didn't have the money to buy a hundred. Was that nickels or pennies? Oh, that was full dollars on that Ooh, one. That hurt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So so imagine this, 100 shares on a $100 box, that's a $10,000 bill, okay? okay. Uh, and that's, you got to look at that part of things, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's not, yeah, that's but again, the again, there could be value in that, too. Uh, a couple months later, Apple split, and all of a sudden they're around the $100 share. Then they climb back up, went back down, and split again. It, it, it all depends. There could so, be value uh, so when, when that splits, happens. If you had 100 shares, you now have 200 shares. Uh, when it split, that yeah. one actually split seven to one. Wow. So all of a sudden, you had seven hundred shares at a uh, hundred shares at seven hundred. Wow. All of a sudden, you had seven hundred shares at one hundred. And that's all done. You don't know it's coming. It just happens, right? That's like a 
Merry Christmas, hello. He's doing some inside mm-hmm. trading right now. Actually, yes. No, that was the wife. Larry say, where are you? Okay. I say, no, I'm on the air. So, but, tune in the radio. So, so you have no forecast that it's going to split or anything, right? Well, you, you're normally your board of directors are, are going to make that decision with that company and everything. So they're going to say, okay, what's the long run for us? What's it trading at? Uh, and there's a companies that never split, like Berkshire Hathaway that we all know about. But again, if you got like okay, I'll uh, pretend I know. Okay, Berkshire Berkshire Hathaway is going for about literally two hundred thousand a share. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think okay. I have about a hundred shares of it. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure. then then uh, then you did better in the Powerball. <laughs> but but again, that's the philosophy of that concept. They they just want that nice value base. They don't want people doing a lot of trading on it, so they price it accordingly. And if you want to go in. Normally, you're buying on for a long time there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, if I'm buying a hundred shares at uh, two hundred thousand a share, yeah, I'm I'm not selling it tomorrow unless it unless it's split or something. And Correct. Wow, that's incredible. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, China. They're saying there's shit going on in China that affects mm-hmm. ours. Exactly. How does that work? Well, China right now, you got to think about China. Of the populations, or that is the. I'm thinking about Chinese food, actually. I'm <laughs> well, you got the world. <laughs> largest population and you got a big buying force here okay so and you think about the multinational culture right now that u.s company trades with them or take take the apple phone that we just talked about there's a lot of chinese that can buy that apple phone buy that iphone okay Okay. so all of a sudden how many people now can afford it if their economy is kind of suffering a little bit instead of having like a million people buy it, you might have 500 people buy it. So that's going to affect our markets and everything there. And they have goods that they're manufacturing there. If our economy is not doing all that well, what are we I don't buying know how good here? the stuff is, but okay. Okay. <laughs> it's for an example right now. Yeah. And right now, we're kind of, it, it's not good, as I mentioned earlier about wages. Um, but again, I see some long term good economic signs. Okay. In the 2008, before the big crash happened, we knew about this, the housing market was overinflated, and it corrected hard. When something's that in, hot, it's going to drop just as fast. Okay, And basically, you had politics in the game and everything else going on at that time, too. But right now, I see some good long-term fundamentals. Um, one thing I'm seeing, people starting to save right now for long-term. Before that, you had a lot of people leveraging out. Credit cards were up. They were buying, buying, buying. Oh, i got to have that brand-new TV, the best, best of everything. Right now, you're not seeing that people buying the current, latest, best of the best on a television set, an iPhone, or anything like that, which is good for long-term fundamentals. Is it bad for short-term market principles? Right, because the stock's not going up because their sales are adjusting. So some of that is happening right now. It's just... Typical uh, economic supply and demand, and some people say, "Hey, maybe I need to save for a rainy day. Maybe I got to save more money rather than that's becoming more important than buying um, a new television set." Well, I think a lot of people, you know, I know we went through it, you know, and I know Graham did to some degree. When that crash happened, we all crashed and got as close to the bottom as we humanly want to get. And it's just like so as we start to climb out of that hole, you sit there and go, "Okay, I can't repeat that. I can't." We mm-hmm. all can't live on credit cards and everything else, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, you know what? Hey, it'd be nice to have that new TV that has a curve to it, but the one I have works fine. I don't need to go spend money I don't have 
or you know, and the same as if people go out and eat all the time on a credit card. I mean, unless you're expensing it out for business, it, it's stupid to go, you know, put something like that on a credit card that you're going to poop out in a couple hours, you know, and then they pay interest on it and everything else. All of a sudden, that sixty dollar meal with interest and everything else, by the time they pay it, was a hundred and twenty dollar meal. So it's like it's bad math. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a question for you um, along those same lines, kind of carrying. Um, you know, your last comment my name, forward. My name's Vince. Vince. I, I was going to remember it eventually. <laughs> Early uh, onset yeah. Alzheimer's. After what we had in Vegas, you don't remember my name? <laughs> that, that's a coping mechanism, my friend. I'm lucky that wow. I don't have post-traumatic stress disorder. He's, he's going to call me babe. But <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there it is. Oh, <laughs> I just you had still a flash. <laughs> but I'm what, still what here. For, some, for somebody coming out of it who is in the early stages of um, saving and, and investing, Drew, what, what are some of the things that you would recommend for people that don't have the $200,000 to put in a Berkshire Hathaway stock? Where, where, where do you kind of start people off for the, hey, I have $5,000 and I got to start somewhere? What, what are your recommendations? First of all, come up with a plan, okay? Come with a process. And I kind of use this as an analogy. Uh, Rory McIlroy is going to be playing in the Masters in a couple months from now, okay? Do you guys want – I'm going to put you guys in the Masters. Do you guys want to have Rory's golf swing or his golf clubs to play the Masters? Get the swing. Get the process down. Figure out a plan. Get a process. Anybody who's trying to sell a stock or – a fund or anything before they know what your goal and what your process is, what the process is going to be, run like hell. Come up with a plan first. So let's say if you're a new investor with five thousand, what is your goal? When you're going to need that money bite? Is it two years, five years, ten years, or more? That's the process you need to find out. Then you use some risk management techniques, and then you find out what's going to fit the process the best. Okay. I hope that helps, and that's one yeah. thing. I I think it does. I I, I asked the question with the with the motivation of of long term retirement planning, mm-hmm. but but I see your point because not everybody's in the the same boat mm-hmm. where they can necessarily let that go for that long. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Maybe somebody's going to come back even in ten years and say, Hey, Drew, I'm I'm going to need that back sooner than later because some circumstance in life has changed. Um, so that's good. Now that that answered my question. And then you got to look at the sectors. And, and right now, uh, everything's kind of uh, on hold, I guess you could say. But I'm also seeing a lot of value and a lot of opportunities in a lot of companies. And, and let's take oil, for uh, instance. It has taken a bath. We all know that. But here's the thing. Now it's on the lower side. It's like telling your wife, okay, there's a pair of shoes that you like. You want those shoes, and it's at $100. Yes, I like it, and I want those shoes. Okay, would it be better to buy it at 30% off at $70? And that's one thing that we can do. There's a lot of buying opportunities and a lot of value that I'm seeing with some of the companies right now. And, hey, we know that oil prices are going to go back up eventually. But right now, we're towards those all-time lows, so it wouldn't be a bad part to go in. And some of the companies are paying some decent dividends, so you can kind of collect more shares as time goes by for a long-term strategy. Uh, like one of the big mo- myths right now that everybody's been telling people to buy gold for the last uh, eight years. Well, if you bought 
gold three years ago, it was at eighteen, nineteen, a hundred dollars an ounce. Right now, it's around eleven hundred dollars an ounce. You just lost your shirt. Um, there's no perfect thing at all times, but sometimes the good value-based dividend-paying companies that are in solid ground are the ones to have for long-term protection. And again, you work with somebody who is following it. And yes, a lot of people say buy, hold, and let it go. Well, there's another part too. You got to use the homework part too. And I'll use GM as an example, who is in that criteria, who is paying their dividend, doing fine. Then all of a sudden, they're bankrupt, they're gone, and everybody lost their shirts. And basically, the the formula was there, saying they were going to lose their shirts. And but some people say, oh, I love this company, I love this stock. Oh, it was my grandfather's stock, and they held on to it till it was worth nothing. And that's where I say, do your homework. Get out. Don't fall in love. It's just a stock. It's just a company. It's not anything you fall in love with. Don't go with a gut. Go with homework. Huh? Go with your strategy. Go with your fundamentals and, and uh, do your homework on something. Yes, most definitely. It's okay. like uh, we'll take BlackBerry. That was a hot company. They weren't the number one company anymore in technology. That's where Apple and Samsung and other companies did a better job, and rightfully so. So, Okay, the difference between stocks and futures. Stocks are you're investing essentially in a company. Stocks, you're it's more investing in product. Mm-hmm. Well, does that, that, that no, be right? A stock is you own a portion of the company. Okay, you are a shareholder of that company. So there's private companies, but when you're in a stock company, it's common stock. You have a position of ownership of that company. So let's say there's a thousand shares of a company just for hypothetical and you own 100 shares of that company. You own 10% of that company. Now, because there's normally like 50 million shares of a company per se, and you might owe 100 or 200 shares of it, well, you have a small percentage or a fraction of that company. But you have voting rights and everything else because you are owner of that company. So that's where the company is. Now, when you're talking about futures... They're looking more at the commodities or the option strategies. Okay, what are the futures on this company? We think the company's going to be worth A. So you're buying an option or or something to kind of bet on what that company's going to be. So it's like two different strategies. And when you're playing the futures market, there's a lot more speculation and a lot more risk to it. Clive just dropped off. I don't know if he hung up or lost his signal. But, uh, okay. But the only time I ever heard of futures was in trading places, mm-hmm. and they're betting on the uh, orange juice and futures. And that's the commodities market. And okay. Now, that's a different kind of futures? No, that's the futures market, okay? okay? So we're talking about the trading place. They were talking about orange juice. So they're talking about commodities. You're talking about pork bellies, orange juice, gold shares, a lot of type of different items there. And they're saying, okay, is orange juice going to – I'm going to buy – I got an order to fill – in June. Is pork bellies really pork bellies or is yes. it pork in general? It's called bacon. <laughs> okay, that's okay. right. Okay. Uh, so, or, but I mean, it's not like pork. It's just correct. The, okay. It's the, okay. It, it, okay, it's the, okay. The or, cat, or cattle futures, wheat okay. futures, soybean, okay? okay? You're on a commodity there. And let's say, okay, I'm going to buy uh, soybean at $10 a share, okay? Now, at the end of the season, because let's say the the crop wasn't all that well or certain areas weren't all that well in flooding, okay, the soybean went to $17 a bushel rather than $10. You made a huge profit. But let's say if there's an overabundance of it 
and all of a sudden it goes down. It could be $5. You just lost your shirt because you still must buy at $10 a share, at $10 wow. a bushel. Or as they did on a trading place with orange juice. Remember when they said, okay, we think it's going to go this way. We think the price is going to jump up. So these guys were buying, buying, buying. And all of a sudden, the report said, oh, we're going to have an overabundance. Then all of a sudden, everybody starts selling. They made a fortune. And uh, that's also called a little bit called insider trading. But that's a whole different thing right, altogether. Yeah. It was but, a movie, but exactly. Yeah. All right. So so futures are more for people. It's more of a risky. A lot more risky, yes. Okay. So that's for people who have money to, to gamble with. That's more gambling than investing. A lot of people have and you got some people think of it like an investment pyramid. I don't know if you heard of that out there, where you have your basics on there, where you have your cash flow, you have some safer stock, then you go a little bit more risk, more risk. But basically, if say you want to have like about ninety-eight percent of yours in a well-sound portfolio. Now, if you want to take two percent of your money and go for some futures and go for broke, that's fine because if it hits, you're going to have a nice payday. But if it goes broke, Okay, you, you you twisted your ankle because you lost two percent of your money. Okay, and it's not like you're putting everything, but you must stay with good risk management and some good basic fundamentals. And I see people get hurt because they go away from the fundamentals. And especially right now, the market's been a good tear. People say, "Oh, I want to make that ten, twenty percent." Well, no, it's not there, because if you take the history of the S and P five hundred since the thirties. Without the dividends in play, it only paid a 6.8% rate of return. Now, if you put the dividends in play, that becomes a 10.9% rate of return. So there's a lot of difference on the strategy and what you need the funds for. And when you're in a retirement market, I'd say maybe you don't need to be in futures at all. We need to be more conservative because I need to make sure that a monthly check comes to you. And I can't take the volatility of the market to make sure you play growth and you lose it. Yeah, one thing I'll tell you is, you know, a few years back, uh, Don and I put uh, Drew in charge of our 10 bucks. And, um, yeah, we have that kind of money. Uh, so, but we've, you know, Donna had other financial people taking care of her accounts, and they were complete horrors. They just, we couldn't even get in touch with them. We, and actually, we transferred some stuff over to him, and he had, Drew had a hard time getting in touch. They weren't, t- you know, Drew does his homework, in all honesty. Uh, he, you know, he calls and lets us know if something's going on. It's like, hey, I'm moving this and doing that. And so we have like 15 bucks now. I don't like to brag. You know, I got my eye on like a really good cigar. When I go to retire, I'm buying a $14 cigar, I think. I'm going oh, yeah. to give Donna that dollar and let her go wild with it. But, <laughs> no, but no, Drew's done, you know, again, so I can't urge people enough because of, you know, Donna years ago with uh, one of the other crashes we had, you know, she had a really nice chunk of money, and she lost over half of it because the guy just wasn't paying attention, wasn't. And then we couldn't get in touch with the guy, you know. Wow. So it's really important, like you were saying, about having if you're if you're going to use a financial advisor, have somebody that is keeping an eye on it and has you in mind, you know. And also communications has to be there too. And like, hey, if I know someone needs a new roof on a house, per se, and I just have a client who says, hey, in Spring, I need a new roof. I'd rather know about that now so I could prepare, okay, when's the proper time to sell these assets so I can make sure that money's there for that roof, okay? And that's why it's easier for my job as a planner and an advisor to make sure that the money's there. And then making sure someone's kind of putting it all together. Looking at, okay, 
the portfolio as a whole? Is it all working? And you might have two different type of portfolios because one might be for a shorter term, one for a longer term. Or a big thing where I see that get abused right now is insurance. Um, it's a necessary evil. Do we need it? You better believe it. Uh, especially with cigar smokers. Like, not one company has the best rating for everything. And especially with cigar smokers, some companies might call you a non-smoker. So you got to make sure that's in order also. And that can be a major uh, plus and some information for your people. Okay, well, here's a question for you. Then we're going to go to sports. Um, what would be, for someone who might not have a lot of money or whatever, What what is the minimal amount that you're willing to talk to somebody? I mean, most financial advisors, if someone's going to come to you and says, I have $2,000, is that enough? Sometimes, yes. Like, let's put it this way. My average account is up there around six figures That when I'm truly talking with somebody right now. But He's let's, not looking at me when he says that. Okay. Right, now, so let's... You're now not going to say to any of us. Well, <laughs> but, <laughs> or anyone listening. For but here's the thing. Like, some people who are listening, some people are there. Um, it depends on the relationship. Hey, uh, if I like the person, I've dealt with the people with that thousand dollars two thousand dollars because you know what they want to do the right thing by their family sincerity with them you know what they need my help so of course i'm going to help them and i like them and i want them to do well and so a lot of times i will take the smaller accounts yes but my normal account is in that uh six figures and up i think that's a that was a great question though because uh i think i just in, in, in my life and people that i've been around and most people i know like will talk about having a financial advisor or they read like you know, they read all these um financial growth books and listen mm-hmm. to these stuff and it's like it all sounds great but that's the real question is like would you even talk to that person um mm-hmm. yes i would uh, one thing say i got to see how the communication how the relationship is mm-hmm. because it's a relationship hey i'm going to be someone who's going to be with you for the next 20 30 years so i want to make sure that we click that you also agree with my philosophy and the philosophy makes sense too. So that's another key for it also. And again, you have to see what their goal is. You know, you mm-hmm. want someone coming to you with a thousand, two thousand going, Okay, by next week I expect it to be six figures. You know, they say yeah, go to Atlantic City and good luck with that. And yeah. I w- and I wouldn't even tell them that because I say, Okay, you want to be broke or anything, here's some co- here's a common sense approach. Maybe Atlantic City is would not be the option <laughs> if you have very little cash. But uh all right. Well, yeah, we're going to have Drew on as one of our segments, and uh, that's something I'll quick touch Sweet. on before we get to sports. Uh, in the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be doing some different things with the show. We're going to start uh, having uh, different segments on the show, um, uh, and uh, we'll surprise you with them as they come about. And uh, probably in the next two to three weeks, we're going to start maybe live streaming the show, so you'll actually be able to see uh, the show as it's being broadcast live. Uh, and then we'll also be, uh, you know, YouTubing the shows after we get done uh, the live performance. So not a performance, but uh, the uh, the show. So, oh, it's a performance. Yeah, it's something like that. But, <laughs> and uh, I feel sorry for the people who need to see our four ugly mugs on yeah, it. <laughs> we yeah, do. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm not ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Go with that. Hey, Graham's uh, not ugly. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So, so Graham, um, you wanted to talk some sports. I mean, I know there's been some uh, rumblings going on with coaches, especially here in Philly and. Uh, some yeah, other the, places. The word laid today in Philadelphia is that uh, our former backup quarterback, and I think he actually started for a short time, uh, Peterson has got the job, yeah. and they're not officially allowed to 
announce it until the Kansas City Chiefs have exited the playoffs well, by league rules. It's pretty much everywhere. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's all out on the It's known. It just can't be official, you yeah. know, by league rules. But we know he's got the job. Okay, and, I'm not uh, a sports guy. When was he a quarterback in Philly? In the oh. McNabb days. He was yeah. his, oh, supposed was to be he? his mentor yeah. and everything. He oh, so okay. late 90s, mid to late 90s. He was a quarterback 90s. or a quarterback coach? He was quarterback. the quarterback. Oh. They, then he came back to the Eagles with Andy Reid as quality assurance offensive coordinator. Then Andy Reid hired him to be the offensive coordinator right. again. So, yeah, basically, what what the on the sports radio what they've been saying is uh, that uh, the ownership out down here in Philly, you know, when they hired Chip, uh, they didn't know who to go to, and they ended up calling Andy because he knows the the organization so well. And Andy basically said, oh, "I got a guy for you." And so now he's here. Yeah, it's kind. It's kind of. It's, it's a crazy situation. And, and Chip really is there. now in Frisco. And Chip is in San Francisco, is in Frisco. which is, I almost lost my mind when I heard that. I'm just. I, I was just thinking. All right. So you have Chip Kelly here. You don't give the man a quarterback to use to run his offense. Kaepernick is on his way out in San Francisco, and you. Fire Chip, and they pick him up basically right away because Chip called him and said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And so they hire him out in San Francisco. And you mean to tell me that there was no way that Philadelphia could have worked it out to get Kaepernick here? Like, that that made me mad. I, I'm not even an Eagles fan. I, I, I would even take it. That made I me don't, so mad. I don't know how possible it would be. While I was not a fan of Chip Kelly's, I do believe, to see through his vision, I would like to have seen one more year because I believe that there was yeah, another exactly. round of personnel right. shifts that were going to right. happen. Then I kind of step back and say, okay, if you've really come to the decision that maybe you just can't coexist, yeah. coaches are, are tradable. You have him into a right. contract, and if he's that desirable to the 49ers, is he not then an asset to say, well... It seems like you're in need of a coach, and we're in need of some assets. Right. Why don't we have a conversation they, about they, that? I didn't know you could trade coaches. Like only that. in the NFL. Can. Only in the NFL. Yeah. John, John Gruden only was traded NFL. from the Raiders to Tampa Bay prior to him winning a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Right. Right. And not a direct trade either. It's mm-hmm. usually a package with some other stuff. Draft for you to have permission to talk to a coach, you have to say, I'll give you this so we can talk to him exactly. if, if it's okay with you. Yeah. That happens in the okay. Which, which has been a long time uh, grievance with the Eagles in that they've had assets even when Chip uh, had it with Deshaun Jackson. Right. The question was raised, and I think a good one. If yeah. you have those problems, first of all, you keep them internally, and you let a general manager start picking up the phone and, and calling other general managers to say, here's my situation. Right. I have a star player. He he and Chip don't get along. It doesn't mean that he's not going to get along with your guy. Maybe it makes sense. We have an asset. You're in need of a receiver. Show me what you have in linebacker. You've got a nice young kid there. Right. We can help one another out here. Everybody walks away, and we'll keep it under wraps. Instead of it turned into a very accusational question of character, right. he was cut. And it's not good. I mean, going full circle, even back to our topic of investments, it's not good when you acquire a talent in the NFL, which is of a Deshaun Jackson quality. The idea of just letting it go is 
bad investing, right? You want to get something. It may not be up your alley anymore, but you want to be in a position where you can leverage that asset to at least get another asset back. In this case, in both cases, Philadelphia was left empty-handed, only in a position of having to start from scratch before. Now, I don't pretend to know all the details of anything. It just strikes you as as a fair-weather sports fan as unusual. Why would you do that? So maybe there were mitigating circumstances that we, the public, are unaware of. But the conversation has been had in sports radio that it sounds like actually it was just poor management uh, of the situation more than anything else. And But we can also look at what Chip Kelly did this last year. Sam Bradford was his guy. He went him long-term, and he basically gave the store away from him. Okay, yeah. I thought, okay, if you want him as your quarterback, Nick Foles and him is an even swap, not your number two draft pick and everything else. Right. Yeah, uh, very unusual. The, the entire circumstance uh, in Philadelphia was, was just so, so bizarre. I am happy to report, however, because I know you anx- anxiously await how the Grand Bay Packers are doing. And it has been a rocky road for the Grand Bay Packers. It has been a mediocre season at best. The Grand Bay Packers? Grand Bay. Graham. Graham Bay Packers. That's the first time you've heard him say that? That's the first time you caught the Grand Bay Packers? I've never heard it. We're like one. I may as well be part of management. I thought it was some, like, strange... Accent yeah. thing from yeah. he, no, no, he no. bleeds green and yellow. Well, I yeah. know that. I know the he's Grand, a Packers fan. The Grand Bay Packers. Oh, as far okay. as we're on this show, the Grand Bay Packers. Do you own stock in the Packers? No, I missed my opportunity. I didn't have the money. I was offered it one time back. I don't know if it was the late 90s or early 2000s. They offered it up again. It was only like 300 bucks. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a tremendous amount. I just remember I we had only been married uh, a little bit at that point, and I was like, geez, that's a kind of a ridiculous thing. To buy. Like, I would love to have it, but at that time, my lease payment on a Jetta was only $200, and the idea of giving away a car payment for something that was just going to hang on my wall wasn't going to go over really well in, go to in the marriage department. And, yeah. yeah, But anyway, they are, uh, they came off of a rough loss of the division at the end of the season, only to be met last week with their best performance of the entire year. Only to go back to the place this coming Saturday night to face the team that roughed them up worse than anybody all season. I mean, it was men playing children, and we're curious to find out. I don't have any illusions that they're going to be able to do anything. Who are they playing again on Saturday? The Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And the, however, there are some people, the funny thing about the NFL is it is rare, even in dominant performances, to be able to do that twice over, mm-hmm. even with a huge gap in talent. When you play that game again, right. it tends to usually produce a very different outcome. Yeah. And now people are speculating, you know, they played pretty well the other day. We know the history of two teams dominating only four weeks apart, it's very rare. So do I think they'll win? No, this is probably the, the end of the road for them. But uh, all that. things together, for a mediocre season to be one game from the divisional playoff, mm-hmm. frankly, I think tells you how good they actually are. Mm-hmm. And 
they got to get healthy next season. Everything is health yeah. in the NFL. They're not healthy. You have to get healthy. You have to hope that at the end of the season you have your offensive line there and maybe we'll make a run at it. But you know what? The Cardinals did not look that good on their very last game of the season, and they got blown out at home. So anything can happen in the NFL. And the week off typically doesn't result in something good. While you think you're getting extra rest, there's a certain rhythm that the players get into, and when they're disrupted from it, it all it takes is a couple of offensive drives that normally they go down the field and take care of, and something's out of sync, and they turn a ball over, and it's one turnover that is the difference in the game. And, you know, for Packers fans, that's what we, we're going to hang on to that happening. The likelihood is they're going to get beaten up this, you know, in a couple of days. But, you know, for the fun of it, listen, uh, there are how many teams? There are 32 teams in the NFL. Right. And how many left? Six, six on either side. Mm-hmm. Twelve left. Twelve. Yeah. Not bad for a mediocre season full of injuries. I'll they, take it. They it was made, entertaining. They made it to the playoffs. They made it to the playoffs. I'll take it. And they even won a playoff game for X thing. And they last longer than the Vikings, so you can't feel too bad. I boys, now did you happen to catch that? I oh. saw it, and oh. I literally leapt out of the cow. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> they got down. There was only a couple of seconds left in the game. And they had a 20-yard mm-hmm. kick for a field goal, which is car closer than a normal field kick. goal. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, sorry, extra point. And this guy shanks it. it. I mean, from the minute his foot struck the ball, it wasn't one that started mm-hmm. that way and went off. It, from the minute he touched it, mm-hmm. just went way too much. And, so and it... Right on the laces, too. When you look at the replay, laces out, laces dummy. Out. It was so mind-boggling that it happened that it was it was being reported by other news outlets during the game yeah. like as breaking news. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I feel bad. <laughs> this guy in Minnesota was one of the top kickers yeah. in the entire – it's not that he's a bad player right. or – he made kicks – that he probably shouldn't have made, and the one that he probably could do in his sleep, complete shank, which, again, the NFL in some private little room is probably jumping up and down going, this is what makes our game so compelling. And while fringe fans still need to watch because just when you think it's over, it's not over. It turns out you don't win the game. And... In, in the case of the playoffs, it's so severe because there is no next week. It's, right, they right, worked it's really hard for a chip shot that one guy completely shanked off. And I feel terribly for the kid yeah, that did it because the guy from Buffalo that did it in the 90s with mm-hmm. the Giants game, they did Norwood. a special on him, still not over. He cries on camera to this day. He's never gotten past that moment because he's known as – that guy, when you say missed field goal, the Bill Buckner or, or is, Norwood. Yeah, there Bill you Buckner, go. Bill Buckner, player to Scott Norwood is the Bill Buckner of <laughs> football, and unfortunately for him, it will haunt him until okay. he's off this earth. Okay, yeah. I plead ignorance. Who's Bill Buckner? Bill Buckner was the first baseman for the '86 uh, World Series, was, uh, and the ball went right between his legs that cost the Mets. The Mets won the series. Oh. Yeah, the uh, okay. I mean, it Boston would have won the World Series in Game Six, right. but then the Mets won, went to Game Seven, then the Mets won that game, and it, it was, the it was over. 
It was but, a drib- but, but, well, literally yeah, a dribbler literally, literally, at a like, slow speed. <laughs> Grandma could have picked up this right. ball. Like, and he little, just put his leader, glove down. And it just went right The way that it bounced, he, uh, it couldn't be a half inch, probably, the ball would have stopped. Right under and his he glove. Picked it. it just clearly went under. And, again, Bill Buckner was a fantastic yes. ball. ball. He was, this didn't happen to the guy you forget about and you go, well, okay, he was never really our guy. He was a this top guy level was first baseman, great baseball player. Yeah, he wasn't awesome. up from the farm team. Right. No, this guy right. was an all star. Yeah. He was all an all star. Right. Well, we're down to under five minutes now, so uh, that's but, all uh, I got. So that's I, all I got. Again, I'm gonna one quick question. That's all you get, Drew. Do you happen to have another one of those Fuentes? That, oh, I might be able to have a so, couple of well, we'll down leave, the road. Well, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna give Clive one. So okay. I had mine. I, I think I can find another so one somewhere. Wanna, you know, since Clyde wasn't here, I just wanted uh, to bust it. Did you smoke that ogre by any chance? Smoked the who? The ogre? No, not yet. Oh, okay. It's in my, hum- it's in my fridge or humidor. Fridge door. But I am so. enjoying this Anejo shark right now. Yeah. So Really good? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Got to try that out. So, but, uh, so we're going to wrap this up for this week. Uh, again, we can't thank Glenn Loop enough for calling in and uh, talking to us about what's going on. And uh, can't urge people enough to go to cigarrights.org. Uh, join, fill out petitions, everything you can do uh, to keep uh, you know our rights going with not only cigars, but it, it, in general. I mean, they're fighting for our cigar rights, obviously, but uh, we need to fight for our rights across the board. So um, this is just the first step in all of it. So uh, I want to thank Glenn, and again, check them out, cigarrights.org. Um, we didn't get to do our plug, but uh, again, Cigar Show Warriors, uh, please uh, reach out and donate a stick or two or some money to them. Help get the men and women that are at the tip of the spear uh, cigars to give them a quality moment while they're in harm's way. Again, protecting our rights. Do we see a theme here? Um, so uh, I want to thank Drew for coming on tonight, and he'll be you'll see you know hear from Drew Gentlemen. occasionally coming on. Um, and uh, you know, and again, these two clowns, uh, Coach and uh, what's your name again? Oh, it's it Honey Honey Buns. Um, but anyway, hey, so thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week and smoke the good sticks, man. Bye. See you.